Hello there, welcome to Let's Get Sexy, the podcast where I read an erotic story and you listen to it. You've joined me for episode 2, series 4. The story we're reading in series 4 is called Death is a Beautiful Blonde, and it was written by author David McAllister for the website literotica.com. If you'd like to find other stories by David McAllister, then you can search for him as an author on literotica.com, and it's McAllister with two L's. Anyone who has listened to this podcast before will know that I do not read the chapters ahead of time. I don't know what's going to happen in this second part, and I'll be reading it for the first time out loud to you. And my reaction in the second part of the podcast will be my genuine first reaction to what I've just read. To recap on what happened last time, we were introduced to Detective Bam Barkley, or perhaps we should say more accurately, ex-Detective Bam Barkley, And no wonder, since he seems like a pretty unethical guy, willing to extort sexual favours from vulnerable young women in return for helping them avoid justice on the mean streets of New York City. A city which Bam is not too fond of. However, despite hating the city, he does tend to drive around, as far as we know, without objective in the middle of the night. And during one of these midnight drives, a strange woman got into his car a beautiful blonde woman by the name of Mimi Helmsley, and under the guise of claiming that she was in danger from some unseen pursuer, Mimi persuaded Bam Barkley to drive her back to her home at the Helmsley mansion. Suspiciously, Mimi seemed to know Bam quite well, and during the journey, Bam was reminded that it was only a year ago that he was an essential part of the operation to put Mimi's husband, a criminal kingpin and public enemy number one of New York City, behind bars. However, despite his suspicion and distrust of Mimi, he was rendered powerless by a combination of her extreme beauty and his own uncontrollable arousal. And in that moment of weakness, he accepted Mimi's invitation to come in for a drink and subsequent blowjob, which by all accounts was pretty satisfying, if slightly troubling. We left Bam and Mimi almost immediately after the point of ejaculation, and I think we're probably going to pick the story up at that very point. A quick word on the stats. This chapter of the story has 2.4 thousand words. It's got a rating of 4.28. It's had 7.4 thousand views and one like. There are no comments. The subtitle of this chapter is Detective Bam Barkley Finds a Body at Helmsley Mansion. I hope you enjoy part two of Death is a Beautiful Blonde. Drive your car down the filthy streets of the city. A strange girl comes out of the rain and gets into your car She's so good looking that you're not sure how you're supposed to respond Could it be that death is a beautiful blonde? Drive, Mr. Barkley. Drive. I'm no detective. Not anymore, you hear. You can drop that Mr. Barkley business. Just call me Bam. Mr. Barkley, I said drive. By the time I pulled my pants back up and buckled my belt, Mimi was handing me another drink. It looks like you're empty. I took the drink from her. Thanks. She took a seat next to me on the sofa and peered at me from above her glass. Bam? she asked quietly. I took a gulp from my glass. Yeah, baby? She took a moment. Would you do something for me? she asked. I looked at her. 
For you, baby, anything. Mimi rose from the sofa and began to make her way towards the door on the other side of the library. Oh, good. I was hoping you could help me with something. What is it? I asked. Just this, over here. Come and have a look, she said. I took a breath and got up from the sofa. After the head Mimi had so kindly given me just then, I was exhausted and ready for a snooze, but there was something pleading in her eyes that lured me towards her. I followed her over to the door, and she opened it. What is it? I asked. Just take a look in the other room, she said. I peered into the dark room, not seeing anything at first, and as my eyes adjusted, they fell upon a body, lying on the floor. I nearly jumped back. Hey, what is this? What's the big idea? I asked. Bam! Please don't get upset, Mimi pleaded. I need your help. What are you talking about? There's a stiff laying here. What do you mean by all this? Mimi's eyes began to water. Bam, please, I don't know what else to do. This afternoon I came home. Greta, my servant, had already left for the day, and when I entered the room, there he was, lying on the floor, with a gun next to him. I peered into the room again. Though it was dark, I could make out the body. An older man, maybe in his sixties. Next to him lay the murder weapon, and right at his temple was the hole where the bullet had torn through. Who is he? I asked. Mimi hesitated. He's... he's my father. Mimi broke down, sobbing. I don't know what it was, but I was moved for her. I took her in my arms, and I squeezed her tight. She cried into my chest like a baby. Please, help me, Bam. I don't know what to do. I can't contact the police. I'm sure they'll think I did it, she wailed. Why you? I asked. You said yourself. You were out. You came home to find him lying there. Mimi sniffed delicately. Early this morning, my father and I quarrelled something fierce. We'd been arguing quite a bit lately. Poor Greta has been in the middle of it all. She's heard everything. This morning we fought at breakfast, and I got so upset with him, I just left. She paused, and when I came back, he was dead. Any thoughts on who could have shot him? I asked. Mimi shook her head. I don't know. He was such a sweet man, really. I know we argued a lot, but deep down I loved him. But I fear that Greta and the police will suspect me for his death. She leaned in closer to me. Oh, Bam, please help me. I stroked her silky blonde hair. Quiet, quiet, I whispered. It's okay. I'm here. I'll help you. What we need to do is contact the police and tell them. No, Mimi cried, pulling away from me. We can't go to the police. Haven't you been listening to a word I've just said? They'll point the finger at me. They'll think I did it. They'll charge me. They'll convict me. Bam, please, please don't let them. Mimi began to sob into my chest again. I didn't know what to do other than to just hold her. What do you want, then? I asked. She stopped crying and looked up at me. She was beautiful, even in her suffering. We have to get rid of the body. We have to bury him, and make it look like he left this morning for our cabin down by the ocean. No one will suspect anything, at least not for a while. And that'll give us some time, some time to plan our next move. I let out a sigh and shook my head. Mimi, we can't do that. We have to, Bam. There's no other way, Mimi begged. I was silent, stood there like a sucker. Should have left her right there, walked out of that crazy mansion, got into my car, drove off and never looked back. But there was something compelling me to stay, something that made it impossible to move, something keeping me right there. It was Mimi's hand, caressing my manhood through my pants, her soft, gentle touch moving slowly against the fabric, teasing me. She cupped my balls and gave a playful squeeze. Please, Pam, stay with me, she pleaded, whispering into my ear. Help me with this. You must. Please, do it for me, Pam. I licked my lips. I couldn't do this. I had to get out of there. I pulled Mimi away from me and began to move. Mimi, I can't, I said, and pulled away. 
Slowly, with a dangerous, calculated seduction, Mimi slid the top of her dress down. Her enormous, creamy breasts bounced out before me like two ripe melons. I stopped in my tracks, breathless. They were intoxicating. Please, don't leave, Bam. I need you. I couldn't breathe. I swallowed, hard. She had the most incredible tits I'd ever laid my eyes on. They were two soft pillows, urging me towards her. All the blood in my body began to race to my dick. Mimi, I said. Bam, she urged softly. Sweetly. Bam. She lowered herself before me. I couldn't take my gaze away from her lovely soft tits. She began to fiddle with my belt buckle again, and before I could stop her, she had my pants down and my dick between her huge, delicate breasts. Gingerly, she stroked my shaft with her titties. She looked up at me with her big, beautiful eyes and that angelic face. I want to make you come again, she said. Oh yeah, I breathed. You want me to come again? Yes, she whispered. I want you to come in my little pussy. She paused. But you can come in my bottom if you want. With that, I picked her up from the floor and kissed her. I could no longer resist. I was all hers, and I was drunk for her. She held onto my dick with her soft hand, stroking it. She was incredible. The ultimate woman. Slowly we broke our kiss and gazed into each other's eyes. Again, I can see the danger in those eyes, the destruction, the death. But I was blinded by the lust, the passion. Will you help me, Bam? she asked, caressing my manhood, manipulating it as it grew bigger, harder. I want you to come in me. I kissed her again. Yes, yes, I'll help you, I breathed. Immediately, she dropped to her knees again and opened her mouth for my cock. She wasted no time and began to suck. Her mouth was unbelievable, a soft, wet and warm cavern that invited me in, caressed me, cared for me. Back and forth she went, sucking me into her submission. She tongued my balls, tracing her tongue around my heavy, sweaty sack. Again, she took my dick into her mouth and slowly began to deep-throat. She pressed her face against my pubes, and I felt my Johnson slide all the way past her tongue and down her throat. I'd have been more than happy to drop my boys down that hatch, but I wanted more. As cum-hungry as she was, I pulled my dick from her mouth. Surprised, she looked up at me. I almost thought I saw a flash of fear in her eyes. I pulled her to her feet, her tits bouncing with every movement. I tore off her dress and hoisted her up onto the desk. I wasn't surprised to find she had absolutely nothing underneath. Playfully, she leaned back, gazing at me. I knelt down before her and propped her legs open, catching a sweet fragrance of fresh honeydew as I exposed her little pussy. My dick jumped at the sight of her flower, a tight, delicate orifice, throbbing and wet from anticipation. My heart began to race, and sweat formed on my brow at the thought of being inside her, entering her with my firm mast. Her sweet aroma pulled me closer to her vagina. She lowered her head back as I planted a soft kiss on the lips of her rosebud. She let out a quiet moan of pleasure, and I gave her another kiss. Long and slow, moist and tender. She pushed her pelvis forward, and I pressed my lips firmly against her cunt, intensifying the kiss. I forced my tongue forward and lapped her pussy. Mimi squealed. My tongue licked up and down her slit as she gyrated before me. My hands moved up and down her smooth, silky thighs, and my face burrowed deeper inside her as I feasted on the delights of her womanhood. Her juices flowed while my mouth explored her desperate regions. She ran her fingers through my hair and pressed my face deeper into her. My tongue danced with her clit, swirling and whirling her into ecstasy. Oh, bam, she whimpered. Bam! I reached up and grasped one of her breasts. Her tits were magnificent. The flesh was soft and smooth against my rough, rugged hands. She whimpered again, and I eased my grip, cupping her gently. 
I knew in that instant that Mimi wasn't as tough as she made herself out to be. She liked to put on an air of danger and mystery, but here in the naked flesh she was as gentle as a dove. Here I was in control. I had the muscle. I swung the dick. And it was a dick she needed badly. With my dick stiffened to full mast, I gave her pussy one last sloppy kiss. I got up from my knees, leaned over her, and kissed her, allowing her to taste her own passionate juices. She embraced me and held me close to her. Put it inside me, Bam, she whispered into my ear. My dick twitched. I pulled her up off the desk, swung her around, and forcefully bent her over the desk. She whimpered with pleasure as her tits splayed across the desktop. I spit into my hand and lubed up my shaft. I grabbed her waist with one hand and readied my dick. Her ass was perfect and primed for action. As much as I wanted her pussy, I knew I wasn't going to last long, and I wanted something else, something tighter. I spread her ass cheeks apart and kissed her little hole with the tip of my dick. I pumped my chest, and Mimi took a breath. Be gentle with me, Bam, she whimpered. Don't worry, baby, you're going to like this, I said, and without hesitation, I speared her little ass with my dick, forcing myself through her chute, balls deep. Mimi let out a hushed yelp, and I was in. I pummeled her ass violently with my flesh sword. She was tight, and I knew her ass would make me come in no time. I leaned over her and grabbed her tits with my hands. The soft flesh seemed to melt like butter, and I could smell her perfume. The lilac and honey made my head swim. Back and forth I ploughed into her ass, taking it, owning it. I wiped the sweat from my brow. The room was getting hotter. Without missing a thrust into her tiny ass, I took off my jacket and tie and peeled myself from my sweat-stained shirt, tossing it all to the floor. I took Mimi by the waist with both hands and pulled my dick out completely from her ass. My dick was a ramrod, ready for more. I charged into Mimi's sphincter again. She yelped from the pain. I emerged fully a second time, allowing my dick to dangle a bit, and then back in again. I was nearly there. Oh, bam! Mimi cried. You're so big! I began to pummel her relentlessly. I could feel the nut butter swelling up inside my testicles. Onward I charged, back and forth, in and out, tearing her up. My dick swelled, and Mimi began to cry. It was time. I'm going to come, baby. I'm going to come! I thrust into her and blasted her insides with my gunk. The release was indescribable. My dick fired round after round inside her tush, coating the walls of her tight little cavern. Yes, Pam, yes, Mimi cried, her hole grabbing me tighter as my dick filled it with cream. I couldn't resist. I knew I had some more left in me. I pulled out of her ass and grabbed her from the desk, throwing her to the floor. She looked up at me and then right at the giant flesh cannon between my legs. It was ready to fire again. Quickly, she forced her mouth onto my loaded dick. I fired, and with one shot, fertilised her mouth, filling it to the brim with my hot spunk. I gave a couple of dry thrusts into her face, and I was done. Mimi looked up at me, my dick still firmly held between her tender lips, my seed pooled in her mouth. I wiped the sweat from my brow. Slowly, Mimi pulled away from my groin, my flaccid cock dropping from her lips. Like an angel, she pushed the semen out of her mouth with her tongue, and my enormous sticky wad oozed down her face onto her milky white breasts. She rubbed my jeers all over her tits and looked up at me. A few thick, clumpy drops of cum hung from her chin and the sides of her face. I smiled at her. I don't think she ever looked more beautiful. I took my thumb and wiped the cum across her face, pushing it into her mouth. She closed her eyes and savoured the taste, sucking it from my finger like nectar. I gave a hearty sigh and gazed at her. Okay, baby, let's ditch this body. To be continued. Drive your car down the filthy streets of the city. 
out of the rain and gets into your car. She's so good looking that you're not sure how you're supposed to respond. Could it be that death is a beautiful blonde? Dear oh dear. <laughs> Detective Bam Barkley getting wound up in a murder. I think a pretty obvious murder. It's obvious she did it, right? Although, maybe that is jumping to conclusions a bit too soon. It could be a red herring. But let's try and look at this like a detective. The servant has been out all day, so she's got the opportunity. Her father and her have been quarrelling recently, so she's got the motive. And the gun's right there at the crime scene in the house, so... Presumably it was in the house before the murder too, so she had the means. And even if you're willing to give her the benefit of the doubt at this point, there have got to be suspicions brewing in Bam's mind. But somehow, even though it's only about 30 seconds since his last enormous ejaculation, Bam Barkley's libido gets the better of him yet again. (laughs) You'd think he would still be in the refractory period and perhaps gaining the benefit of some post-nut clarity during the conversation where Mimi asks him to become an accessory to murder, or at least part of a conspiracy to cover up a murder. And I suppose even if it was a suicide, I mean, after all, he's lying there with a shot to the head and the gun right by him, so I suppose that Mimi's father could have shot himself in the head. But even then, concealing the body and hiding the truth, I'm sure that's against the law. Isn't that maybe perverting the course of justice? desecration of human remains? Is that something? (laughs) But I think even if Bam really truly believes that Mimi didn't do it, it's hardly a good tactical decision to get further involved sexually with this woman who is at the centre of what is likely to be quite a big criminal case. He must know a better way to go about this than what she's suggesting. After all, he was a detective, so he'll know exactly what detectives are looking for when somebody goes missing. He even makes a sort of half-hearted attempt to persuade her to go to the police, and even has what we can only assume would be some advice on what to tell the police. But Mimi completely shuts this down, and isn't open to involving the police at all, which I think is a bit of a red flag, or at least should have been for Bam Barkley. I guess we'll see next time if any of Bam's expertise come into play as they carry out the burying. But as in chapter one, the narrative surrounding the murder and (laughs) the mystery that the characters are involved in is, is secondary to the sex that they have, and there's a heck of a lot more description of the blowjobs and anal sex than there is about anything else. In a way, it's quite strange that we've made it to series four, Without a story that's weighted this way, I think most of the stories we've had have been much more heavily weighted towards narrative than towards the sex. And that's kind of more what I expected from the erotic literature world, and I've been pleasantly surprised that it's actually got a little bit more depth. Interesting that Mimi does put anal sex on the table straight away. I wonder if that's accurate for the period. Was anal a big thing in the 1940s? My instincts tell me that the 1940s were more reserved sexually, and I want to say that anal sex would have been much more of a taboo than it is now, and I'd say it's still a pretty big taboo even these days. Let's do a quick Google on that. 
Okay, so quick Google later. It's definitely hard to find a definitive answer. Um, certainly sodomy or anal sex was illegal in the US until the 1990s. And references to anal sex in non-fiction literature didn't start to appear until after 1969's The Way to Become a Sensuous Woman by Joan Garrity, as far as I can see from a brief period of research. So don't take that as absolute gospel. But I feel like it's unlikely that anal sex would have been so readily on the table in the 1940s. I think that's the modern day fetishization of anal sex having been injected into a period piece to satisfy a modern audience. And I wonder too how common blowjobs were then. I think it's it really is quite hard to do any kind of historical research into sex or anything that's slightly taboo because even if people were up to naughty business behind closed doors, they certainly didn't shout about it or report it when people were doing studies. Nonetheless, Bam is pretty brutal with his <laughs> anal invasion, and even though he does warm her up with a little bit of Cullinigus, I wonder if that Cullinigus was put into this chapter in response to the comment last week. But even though he does a little bit of foreplay, presumably lubricating the vagina, it's only a little bit of saliva applied to the shaft which lubricates Bam's penis during penetration of the anus. I can't imagine that was very comfortable, although to be fair to Mimi she takes it pretty well. Especially given the way that the anal sex is described, Bam's dick like a ramrod, <laughs> which is a piece of military equipment used for ramming down the charge of a muzzle-loading firearm. <laughs> I actually thought it was different to that. I thought it was like a ram used for busting down some gates or something like that. But no, apparently it's for loading a musket. But even so, quite a rough action, I imagine. And all of that ramming leads to Bam's third ejaculation of the evening, which sounded like another biggie. I mean, his dick fired round after round into her little tush. It's funny how Bam seems to like using the language of firearms and weaponry to describe sex, like it's this inherently violent act. And I find myself feeling a little bit bad for Mimi. I mean, I suspect she's a murderer, but there's definitely some doubt there, and there's definitely something uncomfortable about the way that Bam is using her as this sex object, and yet still painting a picture of himself as the victim. She's pretty powerless right now. Bam has seen the body, and if he wanted to, he could leave her high and dry quite easily. And there's something quite sad, I think, about her using her sexuality to get out of this serious trouble, because I think it implies that there isn't a lot else that she feels she has to offer which definitely ties in with the way women have been portrayed in this story so far, as essentially sex objects whose only power is in their ability to satisfy men. And while I suppose you could argue that that's in keeping with the attitudes of the 1940s, I think it has far more to do with a male fantasy of sex that you often see in pornography, and I think is a pretty troubling recurring theme. After all, we don't get any description of Mimi enjoying herself, really. There's no suggestion that she had an orgasm, even though at times she's whimpering, um, presumably in pleasure. I'm not sure. I can't remember whether it's explicitly stated. Meanwhile, Bam's orgasms are given no end of description, <laughs> and he has a lot of them, and they're really big ones. The one he has in Mimi's asshole is pretty explosive, and then somehow in the middle of his orgasm, he's able to hold back enough semen in the middle of coming 
to then whip her around and fill her mouth full. So th he must have enormous balls, this guy. They must be like grapefruits. One thing about this story which I find breaks my immersion a little bit is the way in which Bam finds Mimi's begging and pleading such a turn-on. To me, it just feels very manipulative. And that manipulation being so obvious is a bit of a turn-off, to be honest. It feels a bit disingenuous, and perhaps it's just me, but nothing makes me more self-conscious than a disingenuous-sounding compliment. If I was in Bam's position, I think that kind of talk would definitely get my back up, that here's somebody who's trying to manipulate me, <laughs> and someone to be pretty wary of, which for me personally is a boner killer. I don't want to be wary of someone I'm about to have sex with. I think, ideally, you want to feel confident and relaxed in their presence. <laughs> Comfortable with them, I would say, is ideal. I didn't think that the setting came through as well in this second chapter as it did in the first one. In a way, this chapter could have been set at any point in history, and the liberated way that they engage in sex makes it feel a bit outside of its time period anyway. So I felt like we lost a bit of the 1940s feel in this chapter, and the only place it really announced itself was in some of the types of phrases they use, and the way they talk sometimes being in that fast-talking film noir detective type of way. I think my favourite line in this chapter is a toss-up between when Bam says, I had the muscle, I swung the dick, and it was a dick she needed badly. <laughs> because it's a classic yet ridiculous detective novel parody. The other one is after the cum shot, when Bam is describing Mimi, like an angel, she pushed the semen out of her mouth, and my enormous sticky wad oozed down her face and onto her milky white breasts. Because what could be more angelic than that? <laughs> Straight out of the Bible. Anyway, there's not a huge amount, I think, to say about this chapter, which is fine. And since there's no comments, I will simply say that if you enjoyed this chapter and you'd like to read some of David McAllister's other work, then you can do that by searching for David McAllister with two L's on literotica.com. If you do check out his stuff, please give him a five-star rating. Maybe leave a kind and supportive comment. Like the stories. I think it's always nice to show some appreciation for the authors. If you've enjoyed this podcast, then please subscribe to the podcast. Please rate it. Give it five stars. That would be really helpful. And share it with anyone who you think might enjoy it. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a great week. And I'll see you next time for part three of Death is a Beautiful Blonde. Goodbye. Drive your car down the filthy streets of the city. A strange girl comes out of the rain and gets into your car She's so good looking that you're not sure how you're supposed to respond Could it be that death is a beautiful blonde? Drive, Mr. Barkley. Drive. I'm no detective. Not anymore, you hear. You can drop that Mr. Barkley business. Just call me Bam. Mr. Barkley, I said drive. I had the muscle. I swung the dick. And it was a dick she needed badly. <laughs>